Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Fantasy Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we are talking about post-free agency world and the AFC North. Now, we recognize that the free agency period will continue, right? But a lot of the movement has already happened. There's been a lot addressed, and we want to kind of look back at what we talked about heading into free agency and look now and then project into the draft. Uh, We will go through every single division. We're starting off with the AFC North, and we will end the week prior to the draft. So we've got a couple of weeks here before we get to draft time. We're just officially under a month until the NFL draft. And as of now, the NFL has said, we're not moving it. So I don't think we're, I don't think we're going to be looking at an extended period of time for the draft. I think the draft's just going to look a lot different than we're used to guys. So let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens. They're the, the first team on this list. They ended up in first place last year. Obviously, as we spoke about them going into this, we looked at that team and we said, okay, they need wide receivers They need edge and they need interior offensive line. Their big key free agent moves, and we'll just start off with Calais Campbell, is they sent a fifth-round pick to Jacksonville. They get Calais Campbell. They also get a one-year extension. They've already agreed to a one-year extension pending the passing of a physical. Jamie, your reaction to the signing of Calais and what this does for this team? Well, look, it's a huge addition, not only on the field, but in the locker room. I mean, we've talked about on the show a lot about who Clayus Campbell is as a person and a human being beyond just a football player. Uh, but it, it was a trend of them making really solid moves this offseason. We'll talk about a few other guys that they were able to re-sign or franchise tag that really helped them, you know, solidify a team that was pretty darn good last season and kind of bring those guys back in the fold again this year. But, you know, Clayce is a huge addition to this team. I know we talked a lot about it on our free agent. I think our first of like whatever free agencies, however many free agency shows we did, they all seem, all the days seem to run together with all the moves there. But uh, between him, you know, uh, Judon, who they brought back, um, uh, Matt Skura, who they're going to bring back coming off an injury, Jimmy Smith, who they re-signed in the last couple of days. Uh, they did a really good job of bringing back the guys that they needed to bring back. Uh, and add a few other pieces, including Michael Brockers, although that looks like it's hit a little bit of a snag this afternoon, uh, but it looks like that, that will still get done. Is that the one crazy one we're waiting on? They agreed to terms and we can't do the physicals and sign the contracts and stuff? Yeah, I guess there's an independent doctor that has some concerns. I believe it's about an, his ankle. Uh, that they're just, There's some issue there. But uh, keep in mind, they've already, made a, they already traded Chris Wormley. I mean, they've made some other moves around this. So I'd be shocked if that deal doesn't go through because they've already traded pieces off their roster to account for Michael Brockers being there. But that one just had a little bit of a snag. They can still wave whatever they need to wave. Look, this is huge. This defensive line is insane. Judon coming back on the franchise tag. Calais Campbell is going to appreciate an organization like that. And they're going to appreciate adding a guy that fits exactly what they do in the twilight of his career, but still playing at a really high level for a friggin' fifth-round pick. It's unbelievable. I mean, adding Brockers, adding Calais, bringing Jimmy Smith back, who's a big, oversized, long corner on the other side of Marlon Humphreys. This defense should be really good. They got to add weapons. They traded Hayden Hurst. Uh, you still got Andrews, but I don't know about this multi-tight end thing they had going on last year. Lamar Jackson is going to have to take bigger steps as a passer. They're going to still have to run the crap out of it and play action off of that, but they need more weapons to do that. Pittsburgh's going to be a hell of a lot better. We've talked about We'll, we'll talk about it again. With Ben coming back healthy, they got to make strides. They caught people off guard last year, and it ran all the way through the season. They got caught in the playoffs, but they got to get better. But this defense should be really, really good again. They've also lost guys now, at least we've got pending uh, physical with the New York Jets. Patrick, their linebacker, Tony Jefferson, still has been signed potentially, or he has been released. Josh Bynes is still an unrestricted free agent. So that linebacker position is also a position now that you can look at and go, okay, 
what are they going to do there? They obviously have a ton of picks and we'll get into that, but just a couple of the other things that they, that they did here, they extended Anthony Levine senior. They extended Chris Moore wide receiver. They extended Jimmy Smith. They extended DeAnthony Thomas. They extended Justin Ellis. They extended Jihad Ward. Um, they, they made a lot of moves and most of them specifically, as we've talked about, have been on the defense. So when you guys look at what, what else we talked about wide receiver, right? Jake, you got into it weapons wise, their interior offensive line. Those are two things that they did not address here in free agency. Do you see them continuing, maybe going after somebody who's still available or do you see those positions being things they address in the draft? I think they have to do. It's a great wide receiver draft, whether it's rounds two, three, or four, and we'll get into their draft picks. You can, you can tell us what they have, but they have first, they have a couple seconds, a couple thirds. They're going to address the interior offensive line. Marshall Yonder retiring was absolutely huge, phenomenal pro bowl player for them. They really tough to replace. They probably need to do that in the first round. In my opinion, uh, there's going to be guards there and then hit the receivers and, and some of those weapons later on. I think they'll probably also get one of those late June, you know, weird contract guys, veterans to get cut, offensive line depth. Uh, but I think they have to address that offensive line the first round. You can get plenty of receivers later on. This this draft is loaded with receivers. Yeah, Jamie, they have, uh, just to go over it, they have the 28th overall pick. That's their first pick. They have two seconds. They have two thirds. They have two fourths. They have a fifth and a seventh. So they Ozzie have- Newsome is damn good at his job before he retired. And then they, whoever's, they, that, that, whole, that whole crew is awesome. The cost to take it over, like, that is phenomenal. To be this good of a team, to be the number one seed, to have two seconds, two thirds, two fourths. I mean, Jamie, run, run with that. I mean, I play GM with that one for a little bit. That's just awesome. Well, I think that's a big reason why people have them mocking a receiver in the first. I believe Jordan Reed in his latest draft had Denzel Mims uh, going to them late in the first because you're looking at, you know, Cesar Ruiz and Cushenberry and Baez, all these guys that could be available for them in round two. Now they might have to move up a little bit higher in round two to get one of those guys. So that, that's, that's the concern there. Uh, maybe they move out of the first round and go with a couple of high second round picks, or they make that first round pick and they package some of those middle round day two picks to go up in round two to get one of those guys. But yeah, they absolutely need to address that position, but, and they absolutely need to address the second wide receiver position because look, I, I was a tremendous Hollywood Brown fan coming out. He was hurt pretty much the entire season. He was hurt all preseason with a foot injury for a speed receiver coming in the NFL for the first time in his life. I mean, that, that is talk about being the deck stacked against you. And play through but, it. Well, you got to give him props. He did play through, he it. through yeah. it. I mean, he, not as well as you're, you were expecting because you were very high on him. So was I. But you got to give him props for playing through that injury. Yeah, no, absolutely. But he's still not the prototypical number one. Like, that's not the typical wide receiver you're looking at as your go-to 10-target-a-game guy. I'm not sure they're going to say find that elite level, but they need somebody to compliment him on the outside. They just need more weapons for Lamar Jackson because we, we talk about the progression of him, and we're going to talk a lot about this in the offseason and the early season. A lot of that is just going to be aided by having more weapons around him to throw to and having more receivers that he trusts to go to because you know Hollywood Brown's not a, when everything breaks down, I just need someone to get me five yards. That's not him. That's not the game he wants to play, and that's not the game you want him to play. But Lamar Jackson needs those opportunities, and it can't just be at the running back position. Or the I think tight end is, position. Yeah. yeah, or the tight end position, because I think you're going to need those help, particularly from between the 20s. You're going to really need that help for this team and for Lamar Jackson. So his progression can be a little bit less about him personally taking a step forward, and it can be aided by other players that are not yet on the roster taking steps forward and adding to those weapons. And that's the biggest thing for me. Protect him. Give him more weapons. It, it's, again, it's not rocket science. We know what the, what the philosophy is with a young quarterback. That's what Baltimore needs to do here because they are very solid everywhere else on the field. And that's why I think they need to go offensive line earlier. And maybe it is their, their first second-round pick, or maybe they package both second-round picks and move up. Uh, but they, you get a guy like Michael Pittman Jr. from SC and maybe the fourth, who is that run a comeback, can run the go, can run the dig, yeah, more of a, a prototypical guy that can roll in the whole route tree. That's what they need. And if you can get a guy like that later on in the draft with all these extra picks, I, I think you got to even if you even if you reach a little bit at twenty eight to get the best guard in the draft to replace Marshall Yanda. I think you have to do that. I, I this 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 receiver draft is so loaded. We could say that all day, but literally, you could take a guy like Michael Pittman Jr. in the friggin' fourth round is where he's being mocked. If you took him in the third because you love him that much. Not that big a deal. You got two seconds, two thirds, two fourths. I, I think you got to take the best interior offensive lineman 
with that 28th pick. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of, like we said, it's, it's very, when I was preparing and looking at all the draft picks, I was a little astounded to see the fact that this team, as good as they are, as good as they were, right, last year, they have this much draft capital and that much really early on, right, to have two seconds, two thirds, still have a first, um, they're going to be able to make some moves and they're probably going to be able to get everything that they need without, I mean, they still address a lot in free agency, but I want to. One other thing, Paige, you hit the nail on the head too. They're, they're thin at linebacker. Mm -hmm. If they don't bring back Josh Bynes, who's a really solid player in Arizona, had a really good year for them last year, who keeps playing on one-year deals. uh, They're going to have to address that in the draft. So uh, Patrick Queen's probably gone. It'll be interesting to see who's there at 28, but one of those second round picks has to be a linebacker. And I think you got to get a veteran guy, but they're thin there. The secondary is still really strong, but, uh, you got to address that. They can't, they can't, they, you can't play that defense and not have stud linebackers. Yeah. Patrick Queen was actually mocked in Mel Kuyper's latest mock to the Ravens at that 28th overall pick, which I obviously I don't think he's going to be there, but if he was there, you could see them going in that direction yeah. with that, for, with that first overall pick. Yeah. And just, just to go back to Jordan Reed's mock, uh, he has, cause they have their, they pick at 55 and 60 in the second round. He has AJ Apenza at 55. I don't think he gets there. Um, but, uh, but they also has uh, Malik Harrison, the more traditional, you know, type of linebacker we're talking about, not an edge rusher uh, going at 60 out of Ohio state. He might be there at that point. So th- look, they, they have clear needs. They have to address linebacker interior offensive line, uh, especially with Skura out for, you know, he's not going to be ready to start the season. Uh, and wide receiver. Like, we, we know what their needs are. They can address those on day one and two. But those guys are going to have to play significant roles for them next year. I think that's the biggest thing. We're, we're going to be expecting those positions to step in on a Super Bowl caliber team and be productive immediately. That, that is a big factor in who you're going to take here because they don't really have a lot of time for more projects. Their window yeah. is immediately. The best thing for them is they have the guy that can erase it, right? They, they, Lamar Jackson can erase a lot of your faults by just taking off and running. But I've said it a million times on this show, and I'm going to keep saying it. You just gave everything you had this year to make a Super Bowl run. I, oh, you're yeah. going to have to get creative again with these defensive coordinators, seeing what you put on film for 16 games plus a playoff game. He's, he, look, he can still erase that. You, you can't scheme Lamar Jackson. He's, he's special. He can, he can make that happen. But you got to add some of these pieces around them, and they're not getting as far as they did this year. Yeah, and they got a lot of pressure on them, guys. That's for sure. Because now it's now they were the team to beat. They were the team that was at home. They they had Tennessee obviously come in and embarrass them, right? I mean, that's they're they're gonna have some pressure on them this year. Lamar Jackson's gonna have some more added pressure on him. But if I trust anybody, it's I trust John Harbaugh to get that done, right? Because of what he's done and what as as Jake has said, as what Ozzie Newsom left this team with right? And what has continued to be done from a organizational standpoint, this is just a really well-run franchise. And that is to look at this and go, okay, you have nine picks and you were the best team in the NFL last year. It's pretty incredible, right? And they're, they're going to be in a really, really good spot here. So the last thing I want to touch on before we move on to the Steelers is as we leave free agency, I want, I want you guys to give them a grade, right? So just strictly off of the guys that they went either re-signed, targeted, whatever. Uh, Jake, I'll let you go first. What would you give the Baltimore Ravens free agency period? I'd give them what they always are. That's a solid B plus. Maybe A minus. The Calais Campbell trade for a fifth round pick. It was great. Is awesome. That's a big contract you had to take on for, for an aging guy. So that's why I don't give it an A plus. But they're always a solid B. You never see them have a D year or a C year. And you'll see them have an A plus year and win the Super Bowl occasionally. But they're always right there, solid, steady, and I'd give them a B plus for their offseason so far. They have holes. They got to fill still. But for agency so far, I'd give them a B, B plus. Jamie? Yeah, I think I'm giving them an A minus. Uh, it was bumped up by, I think, that, that Jimmy Smith deal, that, that one year that deal is worth up to $6 million, is really helpful for them in the secondary. That was a big get there. Again, assuming they get the Broncos deal done. But, yeah, I, I mean, cap space has to be noted here. I mean, Campbell's deal is big. Broncos deal is big. Judon's playing on the franchise tag right now until another deal maybe can come into place. So, those are all big factors, but it's to me, it's the the low dollar deals for for Giad Ward and Jimmy Smith and Matt Skur on the low tender. I think those really help make up for it because we might not see the imp- I mean, you'll see the Jimmy Smith impact right away, but you're not going to see those impacts maybe week one or week two. But late in the season when Skur is healthy uh, and when maybe they need some more depth in the secondary, those things are going to pay off for them in spades. So I, I think they've had a really strong offseason so far. 
and they have a chance to really have an A-plus offseason depending on what they do in the first two days. Really the first two days of the draft, but really in all three. All right, the B B plus A minus. All right, we it, Baltimore solid. is yeah solid, absolutely, absolutely. All right, moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who uh, are in a little bit of a different uh, draft perspective, uh, obviously than Baltimore. We'll get into that. We addressed uh, this team and said their biggest needs were tight end, edge, and interior offensive line. They obviously got a big tight end and somebody to come in. So let's initially react to Eric Ebron now coming in from Indianapolis on a two-year, $12 million deal. This is it's a good deal for them. We talked about it a little bit, but this was obviously one of the one of the biggest needs here, Jamie, and they addressed it early on in free agency. Yeah, and good. it's about adding more weapons around Ben Roethlisberger in this offense and also adding a real red zone threat, which is, I think, something that they've kind of low-key been missing in recent years, you know, look, I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I love what we saw, uh, at least in part from Deontay Johnson last year, James Washington. But none of those guys are really the prototypical, I can, I can throw it to you in the red zone. I, you can win a one-on-one battle, in this case, with likely a safety or a linebacker. Uh, and those 50-50 balls, again, it's a cliche, but those 50-50 balls become 60-40 or 70-30. Eric Ebron has his flaws. He's got an injury history. And for those of you that are Detroit Lions fans, you know, he has an extended drop history. Those are all factors you have to consider. It's not a home run. But at his best, Eric Ebron is exactly what this offense needs, particularly inside the 20, if they can't run it in. So I'd give that particular signing uh, a solid B for me. But there's a risk there. But unless you were going to spend top of the market dollars and you saw what Austin Hooper got, we'll talk about him a, a little bit later, or you're going to spend, or, you know, Hunter Henry is getting franchise tags. So you really had limited options for true pass catching number one tight ends. And I thought they did a really good job of taking that risk on a two-year deal that if he is healthy, he could have a huge role in the Steelers offense. Yeah, I think, and I know this offense well. I mean, it's basically the same thing we, we talked about the other day. Randy Fickner running this offense, who was there with my dad, hasn't really changed. Ben's basically putting in what he wants calling the plays. If Ebron and Ben can get chemistry, watch out. The sky's the limit. Yeah. Uh, he fits what they do really well. I think he's going to play more receiver, really, than play tight end. Vance McDonald is going to be there playing tight end. He's kind of that road grader that they'd love to get out. But now you're talking about matchups all over the place. You still got Switzer in the slot when, when they want to put him in and do that, when they want to go four wides. Washington, Deontay Johnson came on. I expect a huge year from Juju to come back. And the big thing is James Conner's back, Samuel's in the backfield. They're set pretty much everywhere, and they needed Ben to come back healthy. He's saying he's throwing without paying for the first time in years. I expect monster stuff from this offense coming back next year if they can stay healthy. Adding Wisniewski on the offensive line was huge, in my opinion. Add depth to play multiple positions. And this defense should be loaded. Now we're going to talk about their draft stuff. They got like what? Two picks in the top hundred, one pick in the top hundred, something like that. They have like the least amount of picks in the top hundred of any team in the NFL with no first because they got that trade last year from Miami, which paid huge dividends for them. But look, they're pretty much set. They don't need a huge draft to be really solid. I mean, this team is well coached. They got their superstar hall of fame quarterback back. Who's playing. I expect to have a huge year from Ben. I expect them to, to the, the Ravens and the Steelers, top of that division again, in my opinion. I expect the Steelers to make the playoffs. Yeah, and the two other kind of positions that we talked about a little bit were edge and interior offensive line for their key free agents. So let me just – I'm using Spot Track, so they have a great free agency tracker, so I want to give them props because they do a lot of work this time of year to keep everything uh, with all the deals and everything going on. So I'm just going to run through a couple of these because we talked about a lot of it. So Javon Hargrave left – uh, it's going to Philadelphia on a three-year, $39 million deal. We talked about Eric Ebron. They pick up a fullback, uh, Derek Watt from the LA Chargers coming into Pittsburgh. Um, this, these, we talk about Wisniewski. Nick Vanette, we talked about. He's headed out to Denver. Artie Burns headed to Chicago. So there's – they didn't do a lot, right? They had franchise the, Bud Dupree. That was big. Franchise that's, that's Bud Dupree. Yeah. Bud that's Dupree. the big so one. You're, you're okay yeah. on the on the edge. Allowing not letting Dupree walk was a big one. I think that was the big thing. Of there was a concern that maybe there was a chance that he they, he would get away. Then you would have serious issues on the edge there. But they're okay with they're okay with him there. The Chris Wormley trade, which we we referenced, uh, you referenced, and we referenced in the Ravens conversation, adds depth there. Which is uh, weird, yeah. by the way. The Steelers and Ravens yeah. trade in the division is just. I saw that go across the ticker and was like. What? Yeah, it's the old Yankees Red Sox. Like they don't trade very often, and there's always something weird when it happens, or weird. It's just it's 
It's interesting. It's a good move for Pittsburgh. But yeah, look, we, we talked about this a lot. Their posted win total, by the way, William Hill's nine wins uh, right now. So the over-under uh, of going the season. Baltimore's is 11 and a half. Uh, I mean, uh, the public's going to be heavy on Baltimore, I imagine that. But uh, look, the, the whole season for Pittsburgh is going to revolve around Ben Roethlisberger's health. Uh, this 100%. is a – we saw what they could be, and I think last year was the best-case scenario without Ben. Is there a seven- or eight-win team? And they were 8-8 eight, eight last year. If Ben's healthy, this team is a contender, uh, in, in not only in the division but in the AFC. So, but, but again, you never know. Uh, so if you, but if you told me right now you're getting 16 games out of Ben Roethlisberger next year, I think they have a – at least a 35, 40% chance of winning that division. Yeah. yeah I like it. Whenever they're healthy, right? I mean, that's, that's the big thing right there. Just, just because we've talked about it a little bit um, and it hasn't happened and I'm not saying it's going to, but is there a chance that they go and get Jameis Winston to back up uh, Ben Roethlisberger in, in the case that one, we've obviously seen, listen, Jameis, Jameis, Jameis's agent thought that the market might be a little bit bigger for Jameis than it is, right? We've got Cam Newton, the same scenario. These are two guys, two, two first round picks, right? That are now kind of sitting, looking around going, eh, there's not, there's not a lot of seats left, right? There's not a lot of starting quarterback positions left. And maybe this could be an opportunity for a guy like Jameis Winston to go into a system and sit behind somebody but is that maybe something you see Pittsburgh doing, Jake? Depending on the price, yes. And the longer they wait, the longer Jameis doesn't have anything, the lower that price is. Absolutely. Even if you pay Jameis seven or eight million dollars, it's a lot for a backup, maybe even nine, ten. If your salary cap can afford it and you know Ben's not gonna play forever, and Ben plays the way Ben plays, that's not gonna change, right? He's gonna take hits. <laughs> and you learned this year that the best you can do with the Duck Hodges and company is, you know, seven, eight wins. I, I like it. I don't think, I don't think Jameis is going to have a starting opportunity. I think Cam Newton will. If Cam Newton decides to play, it's because he's going to be the starter. We've already talked about him. I don't think he's going to be a backup anywhere. I, I think this could be great for Jameis. Uh, if Ben does get hurt and he plays eight games, I expect him to play well. He knows the offense. They got weapons. We just talked about that. He can sling it. Uh, I think it'd be great for him to sit back and do this. And I think it'd be smart for them as an insurance policy that, hey, this team's loaded. And you're going to have a drop-off from Ben, but not a huge one, I don't think. Yeah, so the, the latest uh, Spotrack projection for cap space with the draft pool is about $4.5 million. So they're going to, they would have to – Yeah, they can't do it. Now, again, they've got the Bud Dupree thing. If they do a long-term extension, they will free up a significant amount of cap space this year. So that they're, they're, there's an easy way to get this done. Uh, but I do think they need to invest in a quality backup. Last year was the, the best yeah. example of that. And look, you've built your team. You traded that first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick because you're in the midst of a Super Bowl window with a competent starting quarterback. You did not get competent quarterback play, for the most part, from Duck Hodgers and Mason Rudolph last year. It just did not happen. So you do need to invest in a backup. Jameis' situation's kind of fallen into what we were kind of warning everybody about for a while, which was the musical chair effect that this quarterback market was going to have, that there were going to be more players available than holes. And because you look at, and then we did not expect Nick Foles to get traded. So that added another, uh, another spot. We thought, okay, Chicago might be a destination for somebody. It then became not for any of those guys. And then the chargers are deciding, you know what, we're going to hold Pat with Tyrod Taylor and Herbert or whatever quarterback they're going to take in round one. So we eliminated two positions and maybe if New England sits back and says, we're going to go with Stidham and Hoyer for one year and figure out what we're going to do later on in different drafts. Those are now three openings that we already said there weren't enough for quarterbacks. And then three of them closed up for everybody. So it's created this issue for James. It's created this issue for Cam Newton for different reasons. But uh, I, I do think James Winston is worthy of being a starting quarterback in the league right now, but because of cap space and because of young quarterbacks and because of some other issues, he's on the outside looking in. His best path to playing meaningful snaps for a playoff caliber team is being a backup in Pittsburgh and dealing with all the issues that you might have to deal with if Roethlisberger gets hurt because he can step right in and play a big role and that team would still be a contender. Guys, I'm kind of hoping Jameis ends up in Pittsburgh, right? I I think it would make things really uh, spicy this offseason. I think it would be really interesting. I'm looking forward to We're still, like we talked about, Cam Newton – not signed anywhere right now. Andy Dalton, not signed anywhere right now. New England currently doesn't have a quarterback not named Jared Stidham, right? So it's – there's a lot of – Oh, Brian Hoyer. Yeah, Brian they added Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. One-year so. deal, for sure. I, which, 
there's a part of me that thinks they're kind of going to go into this year with just Hoyer and Stidham, right, without doing anything else. But we'll see. Uh, Hoyer obviously knows the offense and, and could has been the, the type of backup that could lead, you know, a team. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping for a little bit of last-minute quarterback chaos, right? And there might be some of this stuff that, depending on how the coronavirus develops and when people are able to actually have physicals in person, right, see some of these guys have these meetings, guys like a Cam Newton specifically with his injury history, might be sitting around waiting for a little while, right? Because that's, that's what we're talking about. So we'll see what happens with Jameis. But before we move off the Steelers, their picks, as we alluded to, um, they have six total picks, no first and no fifth round. So they have a second, a third, two fourths, a sixth, and a seventh round pick. Um, obviously, we talked about that trade for Minka Fitzpatrick that they did that bolstered their defense, but now no first round pick this year. So Jake, do you think they're going to be able to address some of the needs we talked about? Obviously, Bud Dupree helps with edge, but interior offensive line, and, and they don't really have a ton of holes, but they don't have a ton of draft capital either. You know, the Steelers are a lot like the Ravens. They do what they do. I think they take the best available player, whether it's interior defensive line, they add a corner because Artie Burns is gone. They add really good players that fit what they do. And at that point in the draft, you're adding really good special teams players that can make your team. So long, tall, fast guys that play multiple positions that really fit, really are good special teams players that you're hoping can develop. The Steelers are as good at anybody developing players that fit what they do really well. So I think that's what they're looking for in the draft. I don't think it's necessary. They hit all the needs. They, they kept Bud Dupree. They hit Wisniewski, interior offensive line. Um, and then they hit Ebron at tight end. So, I mean, they're, they're solid. I think they just add players that they think can make their team and add depth, and hopefully they can develop those players. Yeah, I mean that, that's the big key. I mean, I, I know Jordan Reed has has mock has the mocking uh, uh, Jalen Hurts uh, the, the second round pick. I I can't see them doing that. That's a luxury no pick. At all. It's a luxury no pick. I, they can't take any quarterback there. I mean, that, that's that's a luxury pick they can ill afford uh, right now. They they need a contributor right there. Uh, but yeah, but they need secondary. I don't mean secondary necessarily like defensive backs. I mean they need secondary contributors. Uh, to this team. They need rotation guys. They need to add pieces like Jake was talking about. So they're in really good shape going into next year. I really love the way that that dynamic that defense played because the Steelers defense has always been known for being stingy, but they weren't always a a heavy playmaking defense. They were a playmaking defense last year, especially after the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. So they have all of the pieces that they need to be successful. They're just going to have to be very wise with that draft capital this year and get guys that can kind of help them rotationally and not spend it on a luxury pick and that's it in the second round, which I think a lot of people have mocked them, either a quarterback or a running back or somebody like that. I just don't think that's a pick that they can afford to make in the second round, given, given Ben Roethlisberger's age and injury history at this point. Yeah. Yeah, they, I envision that that's not going to happen, right? It's, it's, it's obviously fun to talk about what will be next for the Pittsburgh Steelers. but It ain't Jalen Hurts in the second round. Yeah, First of all, I, Jalen Hurts is not a second round pick, so the, the Steelers are not taking Jalen Hurts in the second round. No, it's not happening. I, I know that everybody is excited, and uh, I'll just leave it at that because I love Nicole Lynn and Jalen Hurts as your client, so I'm just going to leave I love my dream. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I me love too. Kid, but he's not he's a second-round pick. I, no. I can't imagine. And I think Jamie hit the nail on the head. They have a chance to make a run. Add a contributor. You don't add a they guy that's going to be on your bench when you have a superstar Hall of Famer playing there. Yeah, they have to. They, it's a luxury pick. You made a good – that's exactly how it should be described, Jamie. That's exactly what it would be. All right, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns, who are having kind of a sneakily, our made-up word that we like to drop on the, on the podcast, kind of a low-key good free agency period where they've done some things and, and they've been quiet, right? Most importantly – Eating potatoes. They've been quiet. Right. And that's that's been good for them. Their needs we 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 talked about in our free agency preview, um, tackle, safety, linebacker. Uh, but really, they you know, this is a good roster. Right, guys. We talked about that. So let's let's hit some of these big moves, because one of their key free agents, Joe Schobert, is headed to Jacksonville. Right. Signs a five year, 53 million dollar deal. Um, one of the big moves that I think has been probably understated is Jack Coughlin coming in for the right tackle from Tennessee signs a three year, $42 million deal. And then Austin Hooper, uh, tight end 25 years old from Atlanta, four year, $42 million deal. So those are a couple of the big high level, uh, deals. We'll get into the rest of them, but Jake, I'll let you react to 
a couple of one Schobert leaving and then two them signing Conklin and, and Austin Hooper. Schobert leaving hurts. I think they can replace that. They still have moves to be made, but Conklin was huge. Adding, adding a franchise right tackle. Hooper, I think they overpaid for a little bit. Uh, and I don't know that he really fits. To me, that means they have to move Njoku and get some draft capital back for that. I don't, I don't know how both of those guys are going to fit. Uh, I'm mean, Hooper's solid, but he's not really a true tight end. He's more of a pass-catching guy. He's really developed into that. But I love what they've done. They added backups. They added some starters in the secondary. They, had, they added meat and potatoes and substance over swag. It was not the freaking postseason or the you know, offseason last year with all the highlights and the glam. How did the Ravens and the Steelers do it? It's a B, solid, every year, mean potatoes, adding guys that can make the team that are good. They did that this year. I love what they've done. They've added depth. They've filled some needs. They've filled some holes, and they got better. And they already have a really good roster. But they added some key spots that they needed. And Conklin was huge. Adding a star right tackle, a true right tackle, was, was monstrous in my opinion. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the biggest move for me. Uh, I, re- I really like that one. We've talked about that a lot. Austin Hooper's going to – uh, again, they overpaid for him, like you said, but they Baker Mayfield needs a pass-catching tight end that he trusts. He showed a little bit of chemistry with David Njoku a couple years ago, and then you know last year he gets hurt in week two. And doesn't They don't ever really regain it. He was basically healthy scratched at points last year. Yeah, I mean, so look, pieces- yeah, Jamie, we talked about Njoku, right? Freakish yeah. athlete, seven-foot yeah. high jumper in high school, but he was so raw and he's so young, he needed to develop. That really hasn't happened. So I, yeah. I get – I like what you're saying yeah. there. I mean, I don't want to cut you off, but – Adding Hooper is more a, a reliable pass-catching tight end. It's probably going to be a big thing for Baker. That's a, great po- that's a great point. And the other big ones I really liked, I liked the Kevin Johnson signing. I mentioned that when we went over that when he signed. But a one-year deal, he had a really strong year last year. Right? And, and I know he was much maligned early in his career, uh, but really had a strong season last year. I liked the Carl Joseph signing uh, that they, they brought in there. Case Keaton we talked a lot about, Andrew Sandejo. They brought in a bunch of guys that I think can – if they all perform like they have at their peak, can be significant contributors for them. Plus, they were able to tend to Kareem Hunt, bring him back. You're going to have him for a full season, which is going to be a big – it's going to be a nightmare for fantasy owners who, who have maybe Nick Chubb in, in a dynasty league. But for everybody else and for their on-the-field things for the Browns, having both those backs operating at full capacity is going to be huge for them. Yeah, they were a different offense with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb both in at the end of the season. You had a better offensive line and a true weapon at tight end where they know they got to cover him, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be big. I think it's going to be big, big dividends for Baker Mayfield. And we talked about Case Keenum. I love that signing, that chip on his shoulder, gunslinger, who's going to push. You know, and Case only knows one way, and that's to go out and, and sling it. And that means he's going to push Baker. I think he's also going to be great for him in that quarterback room, but I love that signing as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys both about, uh, obviously, uh, Case Keenum coming in, but Jake already uh, jumped in there. So let's talk about their, their NFL draft picks here. They pick inside the top 10, guys, right? They're the 10th overall pick here, which is a really, really favorable pick, considering this is a good roster where you see a lot of talent here, right? Um, they have a second, two-thirds, a fourth, a sixth, and two-sevenths. The big thing I think here is there's been a lot of discussion about a potential trade for one of the two star wide receivers there, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. Uh, Jamie, do you see them making a move specifically potentially with Odell Beckham Jr. for more draft capital on, on or ahead of draft night? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think, look, there's been a lot of talk about that, but I, I think the wide receiver needy teams at this point are going to look at their options on draft day and the cap hits that they're going to have to incur on those. And they're going to be way more likely to spend capital on that and, and cap space on that than Odell Beckham right now. Uh, Landry's hurt coming off or Landry's hurt right now coming off of surgery uh, may or may not be ready for the start of the season. So I doubt that he gets moved to this point. Uh, I think they stay at 10 and, and maybe a, t- a tackle front balls to them. Jordan Reed has Andrew Thomas going there. Uh, that way you basically have bookends, which again, we talked about what's the best thing that you want to do for a young quarterback, protect him, give him weapons. Both of those things are there now. He's, he walk in the season with two strong tackles on both sides, Odo Beckham Jr., maybe Jarvis Landry at some point early in the season, Austin Hooper, you have Kareem Hunt out of the backfield and catching passes. That's a lot of weapons for Baker Mayfield. And that Those are excuse erasers going into next year. He's got a lot of pieces around him at that point. And that's the best way to set up your team. And you still you get build from the tackles, build for pass catchers. I really would like them just to stay at 10 and take that pick. 
I just don't see a team coming up and poning up first-round pick or first-round picks plural or even the Stephon Diggs package to get Bill Beckham Jr. on draft day. Not to mention the dead dead cap space they take for for moving. I, yeah. I think they're staying right there at ten. They're going to take Becton, Werfs, one of them, and make them play left tackle. Not all these guys coming out are left tackles. That part's interesting. Makai Becton played left tackle. I've seen him mocked there. I think Kuiper had him in his latest one going there at ten. Um, but I think I don't know that the, the fourth tackle and Andrew Thomas is going to make it to fourteen to the Bucks. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I, I think there could be a run on these guys, and I think the Browns have to do that. You hit it, Jamie. It bookend the tackles, and you are significantly better than you were a year ago because your quarterback's not running for his life. Even if that left tackle's a rookie, he's going to make some mistakes. He's still going to be a star. Jack Conklin on the right side is a solid pro we just talked about. So I love that. I think they stay right there at 10. I don't think they can afford to do it. I don't think anybody else is going to incur the penalties of what happens to be able to move up to 10 to get that. It's been one of the more talked about things this offseason, specifically over the last 10 days, is that Odell Beckham Jr. stuff. And I'm in agreement with you guys. I just don't think, especially considering all the guys that are coming out, like you said, Jamie, teams are going to look, they're going to go, okay, what's the cap hit? What's, what, where can I go draft somebody? And also just the headache that Odell Beckham Jr. is, guys. Let's just be honest. All the stuff that he did this offseason, the stuff with LSU, I mean, he's not exactly as talented as that guy is. There's a lot of headache that incurs with that. And I think that makes it less likely to happen because I know there's been reports from ESPN reporters who have good insight on this. I just don't think it's going to happen, Jamie. Yeah, and like I look at the scenarios that if he becomes a problem again, that would be the way that you trade him. But then I think other teams are going to go, why do we want to take this on right yeah, now? I and agree. if he's not a problem, then why would the Browns want to trade him right now? You know what I'm saying? Like there's, they're kind of in this weird spot where there was all this momentum for this last year where with him and Landry and everybody come get me at, at every game. But I don't imagine we're going to get that kind of momentum unless the Browns completely bottom out. And then they're going to talk about trading pretty much everybody on the roster. I don't see that happening. They, they, I just cannot see a scenario unless they have, they're just get destroyed with injuries that they're possibly worse than they were last year. They're not going to have as tough a schedule to start the year. They're not going to be as cocky. They're not going to have this false sense of bravado. I just don't see, aside from major injury, them falling in the same trap they fell into last year. I just can't see it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that, that all goes back to stay with what you got, which is a damn good roster. They're going to listen, guys. I, but I can't imagine anybody's going to give them that kind of package that they're going to say yes. Mm-hmm. Not at this point. And drafting a rookie receiver is not going to play like OBJ if he's healthy. I, think, I expect a big year from him bouncing back. I didn't want any part of it last year. This year, I, I want some shares of that in fantasy and move. I think he has a big year. I really do. I think I think he stay right there. And I think if they have bookend tackles, this offense bounces back and it's really really solid. They've been they've been quiet right so far. So far, so good. The one thing we saw from Baker is him and his wife raising a ton of money for the food bank in Cleveland, which is awesome. Like, that's the only stuff I want to see from this team this offseason. Substance, like, Baker. I like it. Yes, Substance. exactly. And, and, by the way, a clean cut Baker Mayfield, which we've all called for as well. Like, a nice trim beard, looking normal. I'm like, all right, brother. Like, let's, let's get Heisman Baker back because he – that's, that's what we all want to see. I mean, at the end of the day, Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the most talented guys. I don't want to see him not be great, right? I, I, I hope that he's great. So we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, give these guys a free agency grade. We forgot to do it for Pittsburgh. So first we will do it uh, here for Cleveland. Jake, I'll let you go first. Same thing. I give him a solid B. I like the meat and potatoes. It was a, maybe even a B plus because I like Jack Conklin a lot. I think they needed offensive line help bad and adding a, a true right tackle is big. Now that thing could bump up to an A if they get one of these other tackles in the draft in the first round. We could be looking at A because they, they added depth. They added starters. They filled holes. I, I like what they've done and they did it without, and they had the cap space. They, the only person they really overpaid for is Austin Hooper, but I like Jamie's point to that. And I think if they move on from Njoku, they get some capital back. I, I, I think it's really solid. I give them a solid B right now. Yeah, I give him a B plus. Uh, I really like a lot of the moves that they made. This was a it was a different kind of off season than last off season. Uh, again, sizzle or substance over sizzle this time instead of sizzle over substance. Uh, I, I I was really happy with what they did. I I know I feel like this show was bigger Jack Conklin fans and I think uh, the NFL world at large for whatever reason. Uh, I, I see a lot of people like not making it that big of a deal. I think that's a huge signing for them, especially if they get the other tackle. Uh, I really like what they did. They did. This is not a team that needed to go out and say add 
three or four playmakers and they need to do this and they need to find their core, but they didn't do any of that. They, they had absolutely did not need to do any of that. They needed to do exactly what they did here. And I don't know, I have to be extremely happy because this roster is still uber talented. Yeah, Before, absolutely. Can they have, are they going to have a different attitude this year? Are they going to have better leadership this year, both from the head coaching spot, from the quarterback spot and from elsewhere on the roster? And can they, and they stay healthy. If those three things are together, all of a sudden, this is going to be a three-team race at the top of this division, and we're going to be sitting there around Thanksgiving going, I don't – maybe all three of these teams make the playoffs, or maybe one of these teams that's actually pretty good is going to be sitting at home. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm excited. I'm excited to see uh, these teams. I think all three should be up there, and I, I, hope, I hope we're going to see a nice bounce back because I think everybody on this show is a big Baker Mayfield fan. And man, he took a lot of heat this past year. So come back, be quiet, do your thing, win some football games, and then let's, then let's see Baker running down the field talking smack. Then I'll, then I'll, then I'll be good with it. Uh, last place in this division, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, listen, free agency isn't as big of a deal for them because they have the first overall pick, and we all know what's going to happen there, right? I, I, I know that we've had some fun uh, in the NFL draft world over the last couple of weeks, one of the prominent, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah, uh, put out a mock where Miami traded all three first-round picks to uh, Cincinnati to pick um, to get Joe Burrow, right? Which I wouldn't do if I was Miami, but it's and I can't imagine giving away three first-round picks. But that's that's for another day to argue about that. Let's get into uh, the free agents here. They they franchise tag AJ Green, right, guys? Um, Andy Dalton is still a Cincinnati Bengal. Nothing has happened there quite yet. Um, they get DJ Reader from Houston. Uh, they get Trey Waynes from Minnesota at cornerback. They lose Tyler Eifert, who, as we've talked about, has you know always had injury issues. So, Jamie, is there a specific free agent move that sticks out to you that you like? Because this team is not being talked about at great length for a free agency. We talked about the one they just that just happened about a couple hours ago, Von Bell. Uh, they brought in on a three-year deal coming from the Saints. So they were solid. Uh, I think that's the best way to describe. You know, Waynes and McKenzie Alexander are guys that were more ballyhooed coming out of college than they've been playing in the NFL so far, but are still worthy of being, you know, being depth options on the roster. Uh, Reader's a really good signing. I like Bell. You needed to bring back Green, even if it's for one year. You gotta, you gotta make sure again protection and weapons. This is a theme. For young quarterbacks, you're going to bring in a young quarterback and play him instantly on day one in Joe Burrow. Uh, don't buy any of the other hype that says otherwise. We're already starting a little bit of this that, oh, they're listening to Miami. Not happening. They're taking Joe Burrow number one overall. All right, we're, we're, we're done with this. Uh, so to me, I, I really like – they've had a saw. I'll give them – you know, I'm not doing great yet, but it's like B minus. They didn't do much, but they don't need to do much. They're not in a Super Bowl window right now. They're not even in a playoff window right now. This wasn't the offseason to go spend a ton of money. This was the offseason to make sure A.J. Green is back uh, so you have as many weapons as possible around Joe Burrow. Add some younger depth pieces on the outside because you still got to try to play solid football this year as best as you can. Yeah. Uh, the posted win total is five, uh, and they're going to have some trouble even getting there uh, given that division that they're in. I mean, they could, win, they could go over in that division, and I don't think any of us would be shocked by that. Uh, so but this wasn't their window. They, they did good by just not doing something stupid. That's really all they need to do this offseason. You're not signing players that you're trying to win a division or anything right now. I like the signs that they made, like A.J. Green coming back. As long as there's no weird, like, you know, mental glitch and they do something other than take Joe Burrow at number one, then I think they're going to be perfectly fine with the way this offseason played out. Yeah, look, I wouldn't take the three from Miami either way. They're, they're taking Joe Burrow. But you add John Ross, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, Joe Mixon, decent offensive line play. Joe Burrow could not be in a better situation than that. Mixon came on big time at the end of the year last year when they finally started giving him the damn ball. They needed to add these defensive players, and they needed to add multiple defensive players for cheap. They did a nice job. You know, I, I thought it was solid. They, they, again, they're not, Jamie said, they're not trying to make a Super Bowl run. This is a rebuild with a rookie quarterback. You're taking it one. But they're going to add three really good players in the first three rounds, like three really good players. Yeah. Uh, I expect one or two of those to be on the defensive side of the ball because Burrow's going with the first pick. But I thought it was solid. They have guys from just – they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They got one of each. 
They're just stand pat. They got no extra picks, no call. It's one through seven. They got one pick in each round. They're obviously going to be picking at the top of the first, the second, the third, the fourth, and so on. So there's a lot of opportunity for this team to go out and get some really good players in this draft. And like Jamie said, when I was watching Cincinnati, I was just making sure they weren't doing anything stupid, right? Where you're, you're kind of seeing other teams where I'm going, like Carolina, for instance, and we'll talk about them later, where I'm going, are you tanking or are you trying? Like, there's like a, you're, you're a little bit confusing from the, the, the kind of moves that you're making. Cincinnati, they, it seems like they understand exactly who they are and where they are right now, right? And they're going to, you know, whether or not they win five or six games, I think I might take the under on that, although I really like Joe Burrow and I'm going to be very interested to see what this offense looks like. What I do want to ask you guys is those, because we've talked about Andy Dalton for a long time. Uh, what Do you see Andy Dalton being on this football team, Jake? No, I don't think there's any way possible you can have Andy Dalton on this football team. It's been his team for, what, six, seven years now? And you're drafting the number one guy as his replacement. I can't, and he's $17 million. I can't imagine he's on this team because he's not going to restructure. He's going to no. say, give me my $17 million. I don't want to be here anyway. Uh, I can see New England doing what, what you said and staying with what they have. It still makes a ton of sense because you get Andy Dalton and play another four or five years with him as your starting quarterback, you're going to win a lot of damn games, especially I, the way that New England plays with that complimentary football. The defense is solid. They want to run it. You're not – relying on him to be a superstar I don't think there's a huge drop-off physically from Tom Brady maybe mentally in the way that he ran things and in, in that approach but I like Andy Dalton I think it's solid I, I agree with you Paige we're talking about him with the Bears made a ton of sense um, I could see the Los Angeles Chargers looking at that but I think Cam Newton might end up going there um, I, I can't imagine he's on this team though no yeah Jamie yeah I'm surprised there hasn't been a bigger market for Andy Dalton maybe there has and behind the scenes we're just not aware of it but you know, to me, get, uh, not not to belabor the point as much as as much as I love to needle Page. Um, you know, wh why you would bring in Nick Foles' contract and not Andy Dalton's doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, you know, the, the issue now is going to be you're going to sign Cam Newton to whatever contract you want to sign Cam Newton to, whatever contract he wants. So you're going to be dealing with a much lower number than what it would have been if you were traded for him. So that could complicate matters if Cam Newton is, let's say, hypothetically half the price. I mean, Dalton's cap hit, then all of a sudden that becomes, uh, I understand why teams might take that chance on a one-year deal, but I am a little surprised. But Andy Dalton's would restructure if you traded for him. Sure. If you trade maybe, for him, but, he's going to say, yeah. yeah, I'll break this up and let's do this through three years and spread this out. And it says yeah. $17 million hits, eight or nine, 10. I mean, yeah. I, but even so, I mean, the Bears are going to, I mean, again, blabbering the point, but the Bears took on a $15 million hit. For, you know what I mean? So I, I'm not sure it's the cap hit that's as much as, I'm just a little surprised it was almost like it feels like he was the second or third choice for so many teams, but then he just never got to be the number one anywhere. I, th I think I think collectively this podcast is higher on Andy Dalton than the rest of the NFL, right? Because we're smarter than most people talking about this. I agree because I've seen whether it's fans, media, other like just there's not a lot of talk around Andy and for his age and I, what I've seen from him when he has a good offensive line and good weapons. That was a, a home run for me with the Bears. So that's where I looked at that. And But I got to tell you guys, and I've told you this before, Bears fans attacked me for saying that. Like, hey, look, no the Red Rocket is not the sexy pick, but you're talking about a pro bowl quarterback that's played really good football for years, who's yeah. experienced, who's still young. And I think he's the problem with him and why we're giving Chicago crap is because they're one that went out and, and brought in the backup. Yes. But I think what we're seeing with some of these teams, and maybe LA in particular, that they're going – yeah, we know Andy Dalton is probably a marginal upgrade over Tyrod Taylor, or maybe even a, a slight upgrade. But we already have Tyrod Taylor under contract, and he already knows he, our system. And he's already here. And I think we're seeing a lot of that, of like, like he's not a big enough upgrade that teams are going like, yeah, we know he's probably better, but we're going to just stick with what we have in the rookie. Or we're going to stick with, you know what I mean? Or I think that's been the biggest issue for that's the only thing I could think of uh, as the issue of why he's not on the move sooner, that other teams are going, yeah, but, you know, it's not enough of an upgrade for us to take on all that extra cap space or to sign him to multiple years where, like in the Chargers, for example, I think they're perfectly happy going with keeping the Tyrod for one more year and then by year two handing it over to whoever they're taking there. 
uh, yeah. in the first round. I just think they're wrong, right? Like, I think those people are wrong. But I guess we'll, we'll find out if Andy Dalton ends up going to New England and inevitably pissing everybody off, right? Where that's, it's going to be a, a prove-it mode, um, which I think – I got one for you. Okay. Jacksonville could take the fifth rounder they got for Clayus Campbell and trade for Andy Dalton to make themselves better than they are right now. Yeah. And that's nothing. You Seems can take like- on the cap space, and that fifth-round pick is nothing. I, yeah, no, I, they should, and they, sh- they should be in on more of these guys, but are they trying to win right now? And if they're not, do they just want to sell Minshew merchandise? <laughs> I know that might sound – but like, I understand how that sounds, but – I think you're right. You, you, though, you can't tell me right now Gardner Minshew is a better football player than Andy Dalton because he's, he's not. not. Hell no. No. But if you're not trying to win and you're already taking on all these cap hits and you think maybe you could sell more merch, then I then they're like, eh, you know, what, what, why are we going to pay Andy Dalton? Which again, and you better trade some move. of these other guys and just load up on on the capital. That, yeah. They might. That makes no it's, sense. They might, and they should. I think they will. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely should. All right, Jamie, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Just that it's a very interesting division here, and uh, I, you know, I look at this and I say. I'm really excited to see how this plays out because I legitimately think there are three teams that could be in not only playoff contention, it's possible that both the wild cards in the AFC come out of this division, which yeah. is going to be interesting because we look at the AFC West as well as a very loaded division. Uh, so there are going to be some good football teams that miss out on the postseason this year, even with the extra team may or may not be added. We'll see how that all plays out. There's still going to be good football teams missing out. Jake, any parting thoughts? Yeah, I think you can make a case for any three of those teams getting hot and making a Super Bowl run. Including the Browns. We said last year they were talented enough, but we didn't think they would because of all the hype and everything else. If this draft goes well and they stay healthy, it's conceivable you could see them making a run. You could damn sure see it with Baltimore. You saw it this year, and Pittsburgh's been there and done that. So uh, this division is stacked, and I like if Cincinnati just stays with who they are, like you said, rebuild around Joe, add some solid pieces on this defense that are young enough that you're going to keep them for two or three years from now when you're going to be pretty good. I, it, it's it's solid, man. I like I like all of them. Had a really good offseason. I think my parting thought off of what you said there, Jake, is I think the Browns do have that Super Bowl caliber talent. The to be determined is what this coaching staff does, right? Oh, yeah. A lot, a lot of, a lot of, just gonna sit back, watch, and see what that team does. The talent, it's there, and let's figure out whether or not they can keep their mouth shut, put their nose down, and be a Cleveland team, right? Be like the city of Cleveland. Be a blue-collar, tough, just go out there and win football games and not be divas. And we'll see if that happens. I think we're only in March. Plenty of time for it to get, for it to get a little wild before then, uh, especially since everybody's quarantined anyways. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Uh, Jamie? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on Twitter and Instagram, and be sure to check out Jordan Reed's latest mock on thedraftnetwork.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.